On today's Locked on Guardians, we've got a few more trade offers to discuss. We're going to profile the shortstop position, and we're going to get into the weeds on the position. We're going we're gonna to talk about some players who might be five years away from being five years away on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, whatever it is, via podcast. I am Jeff Ellis, one of the co-hosts of Lockdown Guardians. Uh, before doing this gig, I was the lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout in 24-7. Before that, I wrote for many a Cleveland sports blog. And contrary to at least popular hater belief, I did play baseball uh, prior to those times. Justin, let him know about you. I am Justin Latta, uh, the co-host for almost exactly a month now. It's been a fantastic month. Uh, well, some people don't think so, but I think it's been great um, with you, Jeff. But uh, I'm currently the managing editor of Guardians Baseball Insider.com, uh, previously with – I'm still freelancing for the News Herald in the Morning Journal in the greater Cleveland area, suburb area. And uh, I've also been at several Cleveland baseball blogs uh, going back uh, 10 – 12 years now, 15 years, maybe even it's hard. It's hard to say they all run together. It, it is always hard to remember all the places you've popped up from time to time for both of us. I think, cause we, we do yeah. just, <coughs> excuse me. It's the first cop of the show. Uh, you know, uh, the, where we've popped up over the years, I want to take a quick moment and, you know, send some thank yous out. Uh, we had some new iTunes reviews and as people know, that is something here on the show where, you know, it's helpful to the show. So if you have not left one, uh, please consider that just like, please consider subscribing on YouTube. Uh, I want to say, uh, well, first congratulations to hip hop head 30 who found the worst podcast ever. And it's this one, uh, according to them. So if you disagree, leave a review, knock that out of the top three. Um, I, I will say the funny thing with reviews is they're mostly all five, Five, four, one. I don't think we have any three-star reviews, for instance. Uh, Ray Diggs, R-Y-D-E-I-G-S. Very nice thing. Um, we have helped brought them back to uh, baseball. Um, and they started listening in June. They would like, when things get slow, uh, some to, for us to get more into the weeds, which I don't think is what we expected. But roster stuff is some things they don't always understand, how slotting in the draft works, service time works. 40-man rules and an explanation of WRC Plus and FIP. And in spite of Justin's statements, Justin has been a great addition. Keep up the work. And Sizemore24, I feel like a new review is always popping for him. I think it might be he just changes what he says and allows it to move up. But he has a Sean Murphy trade proposal, which is Ahmed Rosario, Miles Straw, Owen Miller, and Aaron Savale for Sean Murphy, with his idea being Gabby can be in short, Brennan can be in left, and Quan in center. I don't think Oakland's going for that. What are your thoughts? Was it Ahmed, Straw, Savale, and Miller? Yeah. Uh, anybody who is in arbitration at this point is is out for Oakland. So that would be what? Well, Miles Straw's got a, a pretty cheap contract, but they don't need him because they have Ramon Laureano. Uh, Aaron Savale is sitting arbitration. Um, who else did he say? Med Rosario. Med Rosario yeah. way too expensive for Oakland. If you think, yeah. some, people think some people thought that uh, some people commented or uh, reposted on Twitter that 
Christian Walker was too expensive for Cleveland. If that's the case, then Ahmed Rosario is too expensive for Oakland. So, yeah, uh, yeah, um, it's gonna take it's gonna take some guys that are a few years away from being a few yeah. years away for Sean Murphy. Because uh, let's see, I think Miller is like five. Uh, Ahmed's nine. Savali is gonna be two point something. So you're looking at about seventeen million out and only three point five million out with Murphy. So yeah, that's uh, that's probably a no. But thank you, Sizemore, for the review. And then. Sometimes people reach out to us via uh, uh, Facebook. Now, I also am going to alert you last time I tried to read the Facebook stuff. My computer shut down. So we'll see if we can get through it this time. Take two. Facebook. From, from Pete Podnar. Podner. Sorry, Pete. Let me know how I butchered it. And hey, now you're part of the fabric of the show. Me butchering a name. Uh, for his Christian Walker one, Rosario, Valera, Allen, and maybe Tanner Burns. Reasoning. Uh, Rosario is going to be exposed with the shift. He likes Arias, thinks that would be an upgrade over Paradomo, and Valera could be a DH for them. I mean, that would probably get it done. It would get done. I think it's a bit much. Yeah, I I don't think Cleveland's going to want to give up that much. I don't think think you need Valera to get Christian Walker. And I I don't even (laughs) think Arizona would want – like, Valera's fine. They would say, yeah, we'll take him. But, yeah. like, they already have outfielders. So, I mean, I guess they could yeah. be DH, but they can, they're going to rotate that anyway. But, but they already – I mean, um, they, that's we talked about on the show yesterday. And again, Pete sent that on Friday, so uh, he didn't get a chance to listen. But it's like yesterday's show, it's – you got, um, you know, Alec Thomas, who's a top three gold glove candidate in center field, Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, and Dalton Varsho. So, I mean, they're they're loaded to the heel mm-hmm. with, uh, with outfielders. Uh, what they need is is kind of more corner infielders, if we're being honest. And, you know, that's hence some of that talk we had yesterday about uh, maybe Nolan Jones making sense. I didn't hear anyone come back on that one. I was kind of expecting to uh, – to, I thought that might generate some interesting talk. But, yeah, uh, do we want to do some more kind of around – by the way, I did want to point out that we are up to 821 subscribers on YouTube. So now we talked about iTunes reviews and everything else. That's, you know, we're, we're still chugging away. We're getting closer and closer to a thousand. If you're not subscribed yet, please go and subscribe. Uh, should we dive into former guardian coach, right? Uh, wasn't Matt Kataro? Yeah. Coach it was before hitting, he left? Hitting co- assistant hitting coach. I saying his name wrong. Matt. Yeah. Matt Kataro sounds but, right. Kataro sounds right. From two, 2014 to 2017 from old dominion university. Uh, he was the assistant hitting coach for the guardians from, and then he left here to go serve as a third base coach and then a bench coach with the rays. That's a nice hire for the Royals. Uh, yeah. guy a, a young hitting mind and they already have some interesting only 48. Okay. Okay. I, I, that's a good hire. I mean, it's, it's way better than where they were truthfully. I mean, what, <laughs> what have they gone from Ned Yost to Mike Matheny, right? That was what, that yeah. was the, oof. Um, Considering, you know, the other hire, like um, the Marlins had Skip Schumacher. I don't know. And the White Sox decided on um, Tony LaRusso last year. They don't have a coach right now. I think it's a great hire. Honestly, I do. They, I think weren't the they taking, kind of, um, was that not official with the Chicago White Sox? No, it's not official yet. They've had Espada. a couple of interviews with yeah, Joe Espada. And they supposedly had multiple interviews with Ozzie Guillen. Shocking. Um, gotta throw that in there, you know. Love it. Um, no, this is a good hire for the Royals. So, I mean, you got Vinny Pasquantino, you've got Nick Prado, you've got Bobby Wood Jr., you've got uh, MJ Melendez, you've got uh, a bunch of other young hitters that are coming up to that system that are already there. 
I think Kotaro is is a great pick for that, that lineup. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think they it's they really need more of a culture shift. So it's interesting that they, <laughs> they stayed inside the organization to, to keep their GM, JJ Piccolo. That but they went weird. out yeah, but they went outside the organization to get a, a head uh, to get a manager. I think that's weird. So I'll be curious to see who I don't know who's back on that staff. Are they keeping I think they fired their pitching coach. So I, I guess I'll see who brings in. But they need hit it, they're hitting develop just fine this year and i think they're going to continue to hit i think it's going to be the the pitching end of things that needs a lot of help so we'll see what kataro brings in because he has been a hitting guy in his career but i like it yeah, i think it's a good fit their pitching development is bad i would say, you could say infamous bad. that's right it's infamous it's not just bad it's like the, the stories are infamous for how bad they are so i would say yeah they need which is why it's weird that you keep kind of they make a minor like the in-house move is still odd to me, yeah. but you know, it is what it is. Why don't we take our first break here and then we'll come back and talk about the shortstop position. We're going to kind of do the present and past in section one. And then section three, we'll leave ourselves some time for some deep prospect chatter on today's locked on guardians. And then our first sponsor, let me get the little thing up. One of our Mount Rushmore of sponsors, as I like to say, one of the top four of all time. If you're curious, who's the Mount Rushmore of Lockdown Guardian sponsors? Bet Online, Built Bar, Blue Chew. I don't know who's in that fourth spot. You know, it's like the first and the two longest. And Bet Online has been there for us for almost every single day. <laughs> For the last two years, they're your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I'll say it again. Sometimes you get an audio stream from their website. So if you're looking for something that's a little hard to find, uh, I think, I don't know, you, you just check that out. Keep that in the back of your mind. Go check out that online today. And Real quick, yes. um, the Royals do not have a pitching or hitting coach yet. They're still um, looking for that. I, I wonder if the Macataro might be looking towards Cleveland. I mean, you've got Joe Torres. Who replaced uh, Ruben Niebla? You've got, um, I don't know, they got a couple of pitching guys that you might might see uh, the Royals reach out to that are not Carl Willis. We'll see what happens. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah, no, it's. Uh... So I just want to throw this out there before we go in. We did get an A's fan who commented that they would need two of Espino, Valera, Williams, and Bybee. Uh, that's not going to happen. Right. Like, I appreciate that's... him watching and listening, but again, go look what Matt Olson netted, and it was one type A guy. So it's you're not netting two type A's. So I, I love would the you... I love the comment, but there's not a world where I'm trading two of those top four guys. I'm not either, but I think you could at least make an argument for the fact that Sean Murphy is more valuable than Matt Olson. Um, because catching is so much, you know, more rare. And we talked about how defense from the catcher is going to become more critical next year. Um, 
even before we get RoboWumps, unless Pat Holbrook is back there. In that case, you don't need a RoboWump. But, um, yeah, you're going to need better better catching defense, and he is such a good hitting catcher, and he's got three years of control. You could argue that Sean Murphy does have more value than Matt Olson. I know I Matt think... Olson is a very good player, but <laughs> positional value alone. <coughs> Sorry. I think a year ago, for sure, he was more valuable. I think they're similar, like, in terms of Olson's value. Um to Murphy's now, I think, are a lot closer overall. But his final offer is Valera, Bybee, Allen, and Brennan. Nope. Yeah, that's that's Cleveland, not... Cleveland would turn that down. And like you said, yeah. respect the fact that he's listening. And um, look, Oakland's definitely going to come in. And I, I'm sure that happened yeah. already. Because look, they've had discussions over the last year that Cleveland's interested in Murphy. We talked about this. There's The reason it's not done is because Oakland's probably made those similar demands. Um yeah, Cleveland's not going to do that for sure, but um, I don't know. I, I would definitely argue. What, what did we say Murphy has left three years of control? Yeah. 23, 24, 25. Uh, Cleveland was not going to extend Matt Olson the way Atlanta did. So at, at the best, they were going to get two years out of Matt Olson. That's why they weren't going to give up more than they are, they did or than Atlanta did, even though they signed into an extension. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I think you could argue Murphy, Murphy even though – Olsen's the better player. Murphy carries more value due to position. I don't know. I I can see them asking for the stars in the moon. I just don't think Cleveland's going to give it to them. Let's see. And before, like last year when that trade happened, uh, Langoliers was like a top 50-ish prospect. Uh, Ryan Cusick was not even a top 100 prospect. Yeah. And then uh, Estes was kind of a fourth guy, and Pache was – way down the list because he had been so poor when, I mean, they've been trying to break him in since 2020 uh, rather unsuccessfully and he hadn't been playing well. So he was, he was a nice like buy low candidate, but he was the second or third piece in that deal. So it's what, what you're asking for. I mean, Valera is all of those prospects that Cleveland could potentially offer um, are likely to be higher ranked than Shane Linklears was. So right there, you're starting with the higher value central piece and then the secondaries from there. So it's, I mean, that's just the day, you know, of baseball anymore. We're not seeing a ton of prospects go out in deals. You don't see a lot of the high end of the high end outside of like the Jose Barrios deal stands out for one that had some big names, but we're not, excuse me, not seeing as many of those in general. But I mean, a, a classic example of how it shifted is look at the Lindor trade, right? Like, mm-hmm. Jimenez and Rosario were both former top 10 overall prospects. Rosario, one could make like a lot of people thought that they were going to try to flip him before that season even started. They were, that, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, there was a lot of various talk with him, you know, Wolf and um, Green were definitely lotto tickets. Listen, Rosario's come in and he's had two solid seasons. He's going to make $9 million and he's going to be a free agent who's probably going to command somewhere from 12 to 15. I'm fine with him for a year. I am fine with trading him. What is your kind of final thought as we profile the shortstop position? Well, remember that trade too. It also, I mean, Cleveland was trying to get rid of salary from the trade called Carrasco. So it wasn't Lindor for four straight up. It was those two players. Carrasco was in that deal as well, which is uh, really interesting to look at. You're right. I mean, what did Lindor have left? One year control, I think. Yes, one year control. Yeah. I'm, 
And that, that really made a difference. And then Carrasco. I mean, the fact that you got two major leaguers for Carrasco and Lindor and then two, two lottery tickets that were a few years away from being a few years away. It does That's, show. Yeah. There are no more... There are no more Grady Sizemore, Brandon Phillips, Cliff Lee trades for Bartol yes. Colon. Those do not exist anymore. But even if you go back to that one, like, let's be perfectly honest. That deal was similar to a Matt Olson deal in a way. Like, Grady Sizemore was not a top 100 prospect at the time. He right. was an interesting athlete. He was a high upside bet. He was a, a quarterback. Brandon Phillips was the key to that deal, man. Brandon Phillips was the star. Cliff Lee wasn't a top 100 guy. He was His value was a little down. And Lee Stevens was just salary. Right. It was all about Brandon Phillips. And then the other guys were scouting coups. Like for as much as that is a huge win, that was not, uh, it was Brandon Phillips. That was the center of that deal. That was, they have spent forever trying to find infielders. He was going to be the dude. And then he became the dude for the Reds instead. And, that dude, BP. And the Guardians got Jeff Stevens, who turned into Mark DeRosa, who turned into Chris Perez. So that worked out. But, Instead of focusing on that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think at the end of, is there anyone out there who doesn't think that the Lindor trade is a win by now? Like, yeah, hard to say. I mean, it's it's it was a win for both teams. Yeah, that's one of those. Yeah, and that's that's the good thing. It was a, uh, it definitely worked out for both sides there, and and the entirety of the deal. Like, if Cleveland gets anything out of the lot of tickets, that's great, right? But for uh, the Mets, Lindor was very good for him this year, and Carrasco was a a lifesaver. Like he has been, you know, every worth every dime for the Mets as they've had uh, pitching injuries. And Especially now they, they got this option you know, up. And they might pick it up. Uh, They're going to have to. I think, <laughs> yeah. Choice. I mean, yeah, they don't, they have so many free agents to be. But I also think, like, for Cleveland, they got two starters out of it. For the Mets, they got two starters out of it. Could they, the Mets have waited, held on to their guys, and like gone and signed a shortstop in a year? Yeah. They they could have likely done that, but instead they made the splash. And I don't know if there's you know any other feeling on that, but I agree. I think it's one of those. It's a win. What do you want them to do at shortstop? Like I said, Ahmed is solid, but there's so many caveats to that. Are you good? I'm, like I said, I'm totally fine running him there. If it's one more year, that's that's okay. Uh, if, I would not pay him ten million plus. And I guess that's my question to those out there who do want to keep him. Are you willing to pay him ten million plus? Make sure to you know let us know in one of the comments. I'm curious to see that response. Yeah, I mean, what this is his final year of arbitration, and he's mm-hmm. projected to get nine, right? We said I'll be trade Correct. rumors. Correct. Yeah, like pay payroll is going to go up a little bit anyway, or if he stays on the team, it will just because of arbitration and other guys' salaries moving up. Uh, you know, Bieber arbitration, all that stuff. I don't know. There have only been seven hitters for the Guardians over the last Guardians slash Indians over the last two years that have totaled 400 plate appearances that are above a 100 WRC plus, and one two of those guys don't even play in Cleveland anymore. One was Framil Reyes, and one was Cesar Hernandez. So there are one, two, three, four, five five guys over the last two years that have 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 at least 400 plate appearances that are, are at least a league average bat or better. That's hard to replace. There's no, there's no guarantee that Gabby Arias steps in and repeats that. There's no guarantee that Brian Rocchio, I don't think Brian Rocchio will be ready this year. If he is, that's certainly not going to be the start of the season. Um, I think you would almost immediately shift to 
Arius or Freeman at shortstop, or or you move Jimenez over there. But either way, one of those two probably goes into the lineup, right? If uh, if you do that, so there's no guarantee they pick that slack up, and that's for as frustrating as Rosario can be. He's extremely consistent. Um, he gets hot in bunches, and you know what you're going to get. So I think the nine million thing is a little bit dicey, considering. You know, how, do you want to upgrade first base? Do you want to upgrade catcher? Do you want to upgrade one spot in the rotation while you're waiting on any of your, you know, Bobby Williams, Espino for this year? Um, I don't know. I think they should explore the trade market for him and see what they can get back and, and how else they can shore the position up. But it's definitely tricky. There's there's no guarantee. Like, you know, the biggest knock on Arias is the bat, right? There's no we don't know for sure how good the bat's going to be. It's got plenty of potential, but it's not a sure thing. And uh, I think Rokio, we talked about Angel Martinez last time. We did second base. Those guys have more upside than Rosario offensively as well, but um, certainly not ready this season. And if Cleveland's going to come back, try to run it back and try to win the division again in 2023, could do a lot worse than him at Rosario. But beyond this year, yeah, you've really got to, think about alternative plans and make sure one of the guys in your system is the guy, you know, is there any chance of like a, a short-term extension? I feel like it's unlikely because he's 27. So why would he want to do a short-term extension? But do you think there's any chance of like that? Hey, two, three year deal instead of going to arbitration. I don't think like he's, he's hitting free agency at a good age, but it's not like he's, Lindor or Correa or Machado, those guys hitting free agency. Like, yeah, he's been up early, but he's not a star. So he's not going to get one of these, you know, I know Correa settled for a one-year deal to, you know, try to re-enter the market this year and he'll probably do good this this time around. But, you know, he's not going to get an eight or 10-year deal. I think he's probably looking at a four, three or four-year deal. Um, I, I can't imagine... I can't imagine he's going to take something. I, I think at the very worst, he would just come back on a one-year deal and he would try to, you know, improve his value and go back on the market. I think at the very worst, that's, that's fine. I would do one. I mean, I would see how this year plays out, see where you're at with your prospects and then go from there. But it's hard once he gets them open market. So outside of him, the other short stops, we saw at points this year, Ty Freeman, Gabby Arias, uh, if they were to trade a med and not get a shortstop, who do you think is the shortstop next year? I would probably guess that Gabby Arias gets the first crack at it. If, if Rosario is traded, they, all the comments this year made it seem like they really liked him and they really thought he put a lot of work in. They were rewarding him with those double header call-ups when he was the 27th man. And then he played in the playoffs like that showed some, I don't know if that was more of a, okay, we really don't trust Owen Miller, so this is our next best option. Uh, but he came through in those spots. So I think that the organization, I, I mean, that could be just them talking him up and for a trade, possibly. Who knows? But Showcasing uh, him? I have. And anyway, um, yeah, if, it, if it's not if it's not Gaviarius, then I guess you would go. Yeah, one of those two is probably the, the guy next year. I guess you... If they trade, if they trade Rosario, you guess you go to camp and you leave that spot open, and one of those two guys in camp is is battling for that spot, and you're going to see if they keep hold of it or if you know Rokio is ready by you know the second half. 
Yeah, I thought uh, today it was kind of funny in the uh, the athletic. Not to throw anyone under the bus, but I instantly thought of you when I saw the uh, the Jason Lloyd piece talking about uh, Will Brennan increasing his value with his August call up, and all I could think about. Oh yeah, was, those those two weeks really really paved the way for. <laughs> I don't know if you read that, but well. I was I was sitting there reading that this morning. You know, it's I got like eight fifteen to eight thirty before school starts to like do some reading and just kind of relax, and I immediately thought about you i was that's where my mind went i was like oh if justin's read this i can i can feel him steaming from miles away mm-hmm. uh why don't we take a break here and then come back and talk about you know the big name prospect and then maybe you know some lesser guys who are worth mentioning who fans may not be familiar with uh on today's locked on guardians so should we just start with shortstop prospects the future Rokio, let's let's start there. You have concerns. A lot of people view him as maybe the top hitter in this system, uh, that he could be the top hitting prospect. I have said that. You have concerns. So let's lead off with your thoughts. I do a little. I mean, there there's definitely some Ahmed Rosario to his game. He can be aggressive as a hitter. He he did improve his walk rate this year at double A and cut his strikeout rate a little bit. Strikeout rate's not been an issue for him really. Um it's it's way way above average um so it's fine i don't think it turns about contact but he does he does like to swing the bat and like to hit so i kind of worry there will be some lack of patience in his game at the big league level and defensively he's he's definitely an upgrade over rosario although at times he kind of tries too much to make the big play i think rather than worry about making the the sure player this makes maybe makes uh sure plays look a bit more difficult yeah i just he's young he's been young for every level so it's it's hard to say for certain that those concerns are going to pan out but i mean what well, rosario was up by what uh he was young when he came up he was yeah i think he was already up by the time or 22 he was age yeah he was 21 so rokio yeah. is going to be 22 uh at the start of the new year so rosario had already debuted at that point but uh yeah, I just worry there's going to be a little bit more aggression to his game offensively. Like he's, I feel like they're really similar players. To be honest with you, like Rosario was so highly rated coming out as a prospect, and it was okay. It's hit tool, not much power, um, good speed, good glove, and that didn't all pan out. And Rokio is hit tool, not much power, good speed, good glove. They sound, I know. A lot of places had Rosario rated a lot higher than they have Rokio, but they sound they feel very similar. Only that Rokio is a is probably a better defender and is probably not eh, probably equal runners. I would say, um, but I don't know. They could. He's a switch hitter too, but I think there's some similarities there, which is not a bad thing. Like we kept saying, Rosario is a league average player, and that's fine. You know, you need those guys on your team because you can't have you know, 15 guys that are above league average just doesn't happen offensively. So um, that's fine. But just, I don't know. I feel like they, they're rated very similar as prospects. So if you just want to look at uh, age 20 seasons in double A, uh, walk percentage for Ahmed was eight, 6.4 for Rokio. Strikeout percentage, 21 and a half for Rokio, 20.2. Uh, Runs created plus a 142 for Ahmed, a 135 
Uh, BAPIP, which often can show quality contact, a 350 as opposed to a 433 for a med. Uh, just doing slash line, 341, 392, 481, as opposed to a 293, 360, 505. So a little more power in, I don't know what the Mets AA park is, but I know Cleveland is not power friendly. So yeah, and in these cases, dragging 54 games and 44 games. But yeah, there there's certainly some lines for comparison between the two. I'm not saying Rookie won't be good. I'm still high on Rokio too. I just... I, you know, and this is just watching him play. It's not just looking at stats. It's he does take a lot of swings, and sometimes he's aggressive. And you know, should we, know we uh, should we take it as a sign that he's going to be traded? That if you go to MLB Pipeline's prospect rankings, he's the only prospect without the Cleveland Guardians as a listed team. He just has a complete slash through uh, team and level this year. Brokio, oh yeah, everyone else know. is there. Um, the only other guys who have slashes through level are the draft picks like the louder and Campbell who didn't play hmm. Zibin and Messick, but no Cleveland guardians label on Brian Rocchio, just kind of a fun fact. Oh, yeah, and then pipeline also has real quick, but MLB pipeline has Jacob Zibin in their top 30. Uh, yeah, Cause he got a million plus. They put him at 28 because Joe Lampy is 30th. This is a really good farm system. Nikhazy is 26th. This is a really good farm system. I'm just going to say that. This is a really good. Tanner Burns is 18th. That's probably the worst one, if if we're being honest. Not to bury someone who's down, but that one, you know, the reports have not been positive either, if we were being honest. We, 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 should, we should probably move on. I'm just yeah. going to say we should probably move on. But, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I appreciate what Pipeline tries to do. But it's hard when you're two guys, and this is just a lot of it is often who's got the name, who got a big bonus, and who is played in the big leagues. That's yeah. why Will Brennan, finally, it took him getting called up to move up to 20th on this list, uh, where he struggled to even make the top 30 most of this year. But we're talking shortstops, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, it was more just the fun of Rokio. He's also a switch hitter. I know some people have talked about how they would like a switch hitter on the team. So I did want to point out mm-hmm. he is, he's a switch hitter. He's one of the few guys. Um, I think is it what him, Churio. And then the other shortstop that we want to talk about. Um, let's talk about Jose Tena. And then we'll talk about the kind of deep sleeper at this position. Yeah, Jose Tana, another aggressive hitter there too. He was, yeah, his aggressive, aggression, aggressive nature got the best of him this year. Twenty one in Double A, um, he did it thirteen home runs. He was really good in Lake County in twenty twenty one. He was twenty years old and he won a minor league Gold Glove at shortstop, by the way, which is also voted on by coaches in the minors. Um, I, I actually might say Tana's defense is very close to Rokio's and his arm might be better. I think Tana is a really good defender. Um, he and Rokio were both playing was, shortstop. Yeah. Yes. Offensively, he's was a bit of a mess this year though. And I think that's where he, you know, he was a borderline top 10 guy coming into the gear. He's now definitely a teens guy. I think to everyone, uh, I know he had a, you were just telling me before the show, he had gone deep in the Dominican league. What's he need to do to get himself back up in that top 10 discussion? Does he need more guys to graduate? But, you know, which might be the obvious statement, but what else needs to occur trying to get him back up there? We're amongst the best of the best. 
I don't know. I mean, do you, do you send him back to double A this year? He had a cup of coffee in triple A at the end of the season. Um, he never really got it going at double A. Like he had spurts where he looks like he was getting it together. Excuse me, but he's all, he's still 21. He'll be 22 all of next year. So 22 is still like slightly younger than the rest of the, of, of the Eastern league. So that's still good. I don't know. I think it's going to come down to, I don't know. We, we keep harping on these guys like walk rate and strikeout rate. And it's like some of these guys do make it work. I have, I have a feeling Jose Tana is not changing. I just don't think he's going to change who no. he is. Like uh, he's an aggressive hitter. He's going to continue to be an aggressive hitter. So he is just going to have to find a way to make it work with these extreme lines. Like he could be a Jonathan scope. Like Jonathan scope has had similar strikeout numbers and, and low walk tolls in his career. And he's been fine. And, Scope, I think Tana is probably a better defender and a better runner than Scope, although Scope is getting nominated to a gold glove this year. Um, Scope or Tana is faster. So I don't know. Yeah, he's not far off. He's having a great night as we're recording this in the Dominican, but I think he's definitely got to come back next year. And um, 264, I'm sorry, I was average on balls in play, actually didn't drop that much. Went from 355 to 332. That's somewhat significant. I don't know. Let's, let's, See how he does against double A pitching this year. And um, although, where does he play? Like, you have Angel Martinez going to double A next year. Um, I think that's it. So maybe he can, maybe you can keep those two guys at double A next season. Yeah. And then let's talk about a deep sleeper, Angel Genoa, 18 year old, another switch hitter, <laughs> listed at 5'9, 150. So very slight build. You know, he's not the most listen there's like Jason Churio is probably the most interesting, you know, teenager in the system right now. And it's not a knock on anyone else, but you know, I made waves. I think towards the end of the year, he got himself called up to a ball, solid defender, uh, very much feels like a guardians type of hitter. And then, yeah, the, the stats in a ball weren't great, but I'll, I'll point out, this is a team that doesn't typically, they like to spread their bonus money around. They gave him 1.175, so million. So they really liked him, and he has played well, and he feels like a helium guy fans should be keeping their eyes on. Yeah, I like I like Angel Janelle for sure. I think he's got a good future at shortstop. He definitely looks like he can play there. Um, a very similar build to a young Jose Ramirez, to be honest with you. Like, switch hitter, runs well, slaps the ball, not very big. Um We'll play all of next season, most likely at low A. I don't know if we'll get to high A. We'll see how things go. But, you know, Jose was was in low A at 19 as well. Now, Jose also skipped high A at age 20, yeah. which is very unheard of. But uh, Jose, as we know, is a unique player. So who knows? But, uh, yeah, there, there's not some – I mean, there's some similar things going on there. Jose was a very slight kid at that age too and um, ran well and hit the ball over the field. Definitely one of the guys you want to be paying attention to next year as well. I would also keep an eye, and this is like super, super deep, but I would keep an eye on Yordis Valdez. I know a lot of people have said that he's probably a utility guy, and he probably is. But uh, I got to see him play at the end of the season in Lake County last year, and that guy plays a heck of a shortstop or second base. They they were starting him over Aaron Bracho in the playoffs, which we talked about that before. Um, he But he was fantastic, and he was hitting the ball over the field too. He was uh, hitting doubles to left and right field. And um, it's just, I mean, he was a second round pick, right? Yeah. He was a second round pick in 2019, yeah, 2019. almost entirely for that glove. The bat just, oh, it's not, good. 
been there. So it's yeah. I mean, I, I that's where I'm. He does strike me as a utility guy. It was him and uh, uh, Castro. Was it Miguel Castro or is that dad? Uh, Christian Cairo. Christian Cairo. That's it. Miguel Cairo, son of yes, son Christian Cairo. Who that you know? Not quite as good. Who uh, had the great story according to the LSU coaches? No longer there, right? That like yeah. Cairo walked out on a meeting after agreeing to sign. I'm like. Why is he even in a meeting? Like everyone knows days before the draft, how this stuff's going to slot out. But, right. uh, you know, that's the thing. It's Cairo was a big money guy in the fourth round. Valdez was a second rounder in 2019. And we're already, we kind of forget about him and he's not even a top 30 prospect. 2019 wasn't that long ago. I get that. Like he's been a bit of a disappointment, but it's a nice situation to have. And then I think to go back to the top of it, it's like, I'm totally fine with one more year of a med. I also understand trading a med because they've built this pipeline. And at some point you need to either use it or trade it to help you out. And I'll be curious to see how it plays out. But the one thing we know this team does well is evaluate middle infielders. So I feel pretty good about the future. Yeah. Like we said a few episodes ago about second base, there's no chance this even, even going into this year, cause they're going to have to roster Angel Martinez. It's just hard to believe that, Gabby Arias, Tyler Freeman, Andre Jimenez, Owen Miller, Brian Rocchio, Med Rosario, Jose Tana, and Angel Martinez are all going to survive all winter on the 40-man roster. Like I could I could see two of those guys not being here by spring training. One could be Owen Miller, and there might be somebody else. Well, it's, it's a nice situation to have. And again, it just speaks to the development and uh what they do nicely here. Uh any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up and put it to bed? You didn't want to touch on um, Carson Tucker. Uh, speaking of forgotten high draft picks, first rounder, um, it's just health. And then health is running into development and just goes to show you like, you know, at the end of the day, what's the most important thing is health. Like it, Carson Tucker and, and we should be fair. Carson Tucker was not a first rounder in that draft. He was not like, he was not viewed as a top 30 talent what he was viewed as is a top 50 or so talent who was willing to sign for massively under slot and Cleveland used that under slot savings to help get several other players. So not as necessarily a way to dig on a guy when he's down, but Carson Tucker wasn't a, a, a top 30 player. He was a player. I, I remember talking to an agent who's like, he's going to go somewhere in the top 30 massively under slot. And that's what happened. He was a savings guy. And that's, it's the equivalent of the trade down. I've always said in the MLB drafts, when you do that, you're trying to, and they use that money to help get Logan Allen, Milan Tolentino, who we talked about, like as a second baseman who had a big PD Halpin, PD Halpin, who we're definitely going to talk about when we get to center fielders. He, he's, he had one of the quiet breakouts this year. You know, they, they spread that money around. So yeah, if you look at him as a first rounder, it's a disappointment. I mean, if you look at him as a high pick, it's a disappointment, but we also have to understand the narrative behind it. I think in fairness, but, uh, you know, on that note, uh, I hope Carson Tucker like breaks out and shows everyone and the guardians all of a sudden have yet another fun name and system. Uh, but if not, they have so much depth, it almost doesn't affect them. Yeah. You know, there's so much to show from that class that it's like they can totally whiff on a first rounder and it's not that they still have a top five system. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, this one of the amazing things is they made the playoffs as the youngest team in baseball, younger than any MLB or triple a team. And they still have a top five farm system and none of the blue chip guys have really hit yet. So it should be a fun run. 
uh, for myself and Justin, I just want to end it here and say, go, go, Guardians, go. 